0: Buy one up, buy one up,
1: My one up. For the cannabis
0: culture. The the God, the God. God.
1: Hello and welcome to the To Be Completely Blunt podcast. We are your hosts. I am Stephanie. I'm Rick. In today's episode, we chat with Michael Jishun Feng, also known as Feng. He is recognized as one of the cannabis industry's most progressive and young entrepreneurs. He is a genetic designer known for leading the Gage Green Group. Uh, Michael has also been an innovator in growing marijuana his entire life. He does live an organic lifestyle in general, but organically grown cannabis has played a big role in reversing his ailments. He writes and speaks on the power of cannabis, natural healing, herbs, organic farming, and so much more. So there's a lot to take in from this chat. Hope you enjoy today's show with Fang. Hey Fang, how's it going today? How you doing? Good.
2: I'm, I'm doing well. I'm just uh, hanging out here with my pup and yeah. uh, enjoying the afternoon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How's it over there in the studio?
1: It's going all right. Yeah, I'm actually in St. Louis right now and it's freaking cold out today. How is Michigan feeling, y'all?
2: Is <laughs> Winter's coming back. We had like yes. a, a week or so of, of melt and um, just like warmer weather, right? But it's definitely back and we had a little bit of snow yesterday. But, yeah, man, I, I love, I've been really loving the cold. And uh, a week ago, I took the ice plunge and jumped into a frozen lake.
1: I saw that on looked, your socials. That looked painful.
2: <laughs> it was painful. I think you could see, like, my body just spazzing, like, at the end. Like um, Tyler, who uh, organized the retreat and and, like, kind of encouraged me to do it. He, he was in there for like 20, 20 30 seconds like all relaxed and really got into the zone um it was more of a shocker for me but glad I did it and it like the, the effects were really healing and I mean I just have a I, my appreciation for the cult continues to grow I guess you know there's
0: something neat about that that I learned in Colorado um, up in Idaho yeah. they have uh, they have those hot springs. And when I would go up there in the wintertime, we would have would have these people from Asia that would fly over to Denver to come to Indian uh, or Idaho Springs, Indian hot springs to cleanse. And they literally would go down in the hot springs and sit in the, the uh, mineral baths in the mud and, and soak and sweat and then run right outside and then just sit in the snow and then do this for they'd, they'd come for like a week and do this shit. And I, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Cause I was enjoying the, the, you know, the spa Mm -hmm. aspect of things. But I was like, I didn't ever think about, you know, taking it to the extreme and going outside and holy cow. Yeah. Like you can almost feel your body like being relieved. It's stressful, but your body feels like it's active. It's, it's reactivating. What's the recommended
1: time to like, keep yourself submerged in the water in that type of coldness?
0: I think it's subjectable to the person's mindset and their their mental capacity, uh, and then that it's transcends transcends into their physical capacity,
2: right? Because like you could have like the the instructor that was there, kind of walking us through it. He um he's like, I can go to the middle of an icy, like the middle of a, the Great Lakes, and swim into the middle and be out there in the freezing water for like thirty minutes. Cool. Whereas for me, I mean, like your average person, you know, will probably get frostbitten and hypothermia and die after like the first three minutes. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it is the mental, but mind equals body. So it's like, it's all the above. It's can you get send your breath mm-hmm. to your toes to, to have oxygen exchanged and, and blood flow and like that requires a lot of training and it's um quite, but it's, yeah, it's such a healing, you know, the whole Wim Hof method, um, you know, I've been doing like cold showers. I've been doing, I've done the cold plunges. I've never done like a true ice bath, yeah. um, but I would say like you start slow, right? Like like with the Wim Hof method, I think he, would, he, intr- he introduces first like breath work to really get in tune with your body. And then of course, like they say, take cold showers, but you do it after you've had a nice warm shower you do like one second of cold water, then you do two seconds the next day. And then you work yourself up to like minutes at a time mm-hmm. to where you begin to appreciate the cold. Like we do the heat. And and then that's when you really start to gain like the medicinal benefits from it. Mm-hmm.
1: I've attempted that with uh, showering before and I, I get on kicks for a little while and then I fall off of it because I really do not like the cold. But I, I'm trying. I'm really trying to, to be better with it, at least. It's hard, though. Dang. That's a well, big it's mental amazing. game.
0: It's amazing, too, how it transitions into other aspects of our lives. So by mm. putting ourselves into that little deliberate stress and going through it and coming through it, oddly, it transitions to little things else in our lives. It's
2: It's yeah. wild.
1: You know? Mental strength. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was telling my buddy, he's like, man, I can't do a lot of the things that you do because, like, I you know, it just doesn't taste good. And I I need someone to do it for me. I just not, you know, and all this. And I I, like everything he said was true. And they're all valid reasons for why you wouldn't do something healing. Mm -hmm. But it's like the whole point of healing is to kind of like sometimes it's meant to shock your system. It's Mm -hmm. never easy Nope. um it's quite often it's painful quite often it requires you to consume bitter substances to to with you know like put your body through stressful events that normally might shock or kill someone but, but like because you 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 know are strong enough to overcome it you heal and or you become better you evolve or you you unlock you know new potentials and and I think, like, that's what life is all about. And I honestly, like, didn't necessarily ask for a tough and, like, torturous life, I guess. But it just somehow, like, I'm always put in these situations that have forced me to take on, like, more stressful events, um, situations, scenarios, physical, mental, social, or whatnot. But it's always made me better. And so I'm, I'm grateful for it. Not everyone has to or has had to i guess experience as much suffering but with every like experience i have gained the knowledge on how to overcome it um the solutions and it's allowed me to like help a lot of people around me so so i'm really grateful for the tough times and and the ability to to see them through this
1: good for you man because uh no that's that's very relatable type of uh just discussion for like stuff I'm dealing with in my own life. We're all always dealing with a lot of crazy situations and it's just how you decide to respond to that and actually try to grow from it as opposed to being bitter at everything in life and maybe uh. seeking revenge or whatever it is that you're going for. So I was curious, how did how did your cannabis journey begin? How old were you? Where did it all start?
2: It was like, I was 15, I believe 14, 15 when I first um, tried cannabis and some of my friends introduced it to me. Like first time I smoked, they didn't even get high. First time I really got high, like, uh, was like later on, I think in the evening, I took some back home and I like took a puff out of my own pipe or whatever. And I, I guess I smoked enough that time, but, uh, from that day forward, pretty much like, and I guess it's worth even like talk saying like the, that first experience smoked like too much weed, I guess um, to my face <laughs> hmm. I, I had like a bad trip And I actually like I remember Telling myself like I'll never do this again This shit's flat But that was really the only time I've ever had a negative Experience From cannabis and after that I just I continued I gave it uh-huh. another shot loved it And from then on was just like a, a Like I was Truly you know In love with the plant and I would spend hours and hours a day like browsing forums, looking at pages on how to grow, looking at weed pictures, looking at rolling pages, glass, like everything that's like still a part of the culture, still stuff that I love to do that I've, you know, at this point can perfect and turn into a craft or or a profession or art form is stuff that I was enamored with as a as a child. And, I guess, teenager, like I would roll, you know, I was the only one in my group that knew how to roll. I was, I practiced it. I loved it. I took pictures of it. I compared my, my product with other people's. Like I was always trying to just perfect cannabis and it's such, like it's so awesome that it, it is just a new, it's so, it's so ancient, but we've been so disconnected from it that so much of it is new and it's been like, um, a blank canvas for us to recreate our relationship with this amazing plant but yeah i just for some reason i would spend hours and hours a day just looking at bud photos and you know bud porn
1: as it's called <laughs> night.
2: maybe i always thought there was something weird about that like i'm like why am i just staring at weed pictures and i love every aspect of it how it looks and like honestly i could write a whole book about what makes bud aesthetic like i, I know i'm not I know there's like a lot of amazing artists out there, but I have at least for the last 18 years cultivated appreciation for like what makes cannabis look good, what makes like certain photographs stand out and some not. And so like that kind of like appreciation for the aesthetics, I think, is still stuck with me today. And it's why like I center around a lot of my work around like the art side of cannabis um, the photography and different things like that. So those are all things that kind of started from when I was like 15.
1: Okay. So then did you make that your goal for your education? Because I saw that you uh, you graduated from Berkeley, right?
2: Yeah, I went to Berkeley um, in 08. I got out of there quickly in under four years because it ended up being kind of a bad experience for me because they put me on probation and I was basically like in this drug court with fucking crack dealers, mm. every uh, Oakland, like Oakland, like fucking the, the worst, the worst people <laughs> <laughs> not saying the worst. I love, I love everybody. But like, I was, I was like the only person in there for a weed related s- situation. They were really just trying to like lock me down, I guess, and not. And so like, I, this is my Berkeley experience. So I just graduated early so I could get out of there. But so like in high school, so no, I never studied cannabis or horticulture. Mm -hmm. The, like I took AP bio.
1: Okay.
2: You know, like I did a lot of, um, in college, I, I graduated, I took a lot of cognitive science, which is like a special degree at Berkeley. That is a combination of like linguistics, neuroscience, programming, like all like everything to do with the mind and i really enjoyed that but my my main focus was business and economics i've always been kind of like a business minded person in fact like at one point i was wanted again to get into investment banking and finance because i mean like i was always fascinated with the stock market and how businesses grow i've always been like good at picking stocks and knowing what's going to be successful. But yeah, like in high school. So I started selling weed like the next month after I started smoking. It It was just, it became quite obvious to me. Like it was a expensive habit and Mm -hmm. that like, but it was also, there was a lot of potential. I mean, like I wanted to be like all the the cool drug dealer kids. I mean, I don't know. That sounds like weird. (laughs) All my role models were drug dealers. (laughs) And it's, and like, I, I quickly became known as this the bad kid. You know what I mean? Because I was like so immersed in cannabis. And to the where like they were the PTSA meetings would be like the parents were talking about how to keep their kids away from me and how I was selling all types of weird drugs to their kids and this and that. Which, you know, I'm just the I was always pretty much the weed guy. But um it it really like created a reputation for me that became quite difficult for me. Like, I became a the a target at uh, pretty much every, most of these schools my whole life. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. like, while I was at, um, so I went to, like, the number two high school in the nation, um, th- at least according to, like, the rankings U.S. News and World Report. And basically, like, I wanted to smoke weed and, ex- and be excellent at everything. Like, I didn't want to be I didn't want weed to be a crutch or an excuse or the reason for why someone could say I wasn't performing or or like I wasn't going to make weed the scapegoat in my life. And so instead, I made it so that it would only make me better. I made sure that I, that I did my, I don't want to say did my homework. I fucking hated homework. But I made sure to do everything I needed to do to, to excel at sports to take care of my health to excel in my classes to where like i graduated with you know pretty much a perfect so like i wasn't a perfect student before i started smoking weed but after i started smoking weed i was a straight a student um i to where i you know my gpa was like a 4.25 when i graduated high school i i made sure that i excel like i was like gonna in the best college i was gonna you know fucking win in, in sports and all this stuff. So like, that was like my main goal was always to allow to utilize weed to better myself. And mm-hmm. I saw a lot of my, the people I grew up with drop out, fail, like not do what they were going to say they would do. Um, all this bullshit. And it's always, you know, had to do with weed. And I'm like, that's fucked up because, because yeah. you're using weed as an excuse for why your life has problems. And that's not cool. Right. And so like that's kind of been my model my whole life. So I, I did my best. I got into Berkeley, um, of course, like never slow down on smoking, continue to sell weed throughout this whole experience um, and then became like pretty prolific in college with around the cannabis. And I think that's really when like they they sent a cop to to, to buy from me. And um, that pretty much ended the, the, my whole my career uh, at Berkeley. Not that I ever stopped smelling, smoking weed, but I, I, they put me on probation for like almost two years where I was doing like 20 plus hours of community service a week. I had to do all this, you know, other shit, um, clubs and, and work while doing while being a full time student, which also was another challenging situation. They, they drug tested me. I had to go to narcotics anonymous three a week, do all this volunteer, also, and be a full-time student, which was super challenging. And I still smoked. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> sh- to, well, at that point, <laughs> yeah. So every
2: every time after they drug tested me, I would smoke, and then I would buy these home drug test kits. So I knew exactly how much how long the weed stayed in my system, and I started developing a method for eliminating it from my system. So I knew by the next drug test or whatever, or after a week where there would be potentially more drug tests that I'd be clean. So this was when I went from a fat, lazy body. And I'm not saying like, I was in CIS. I was in like, you know, varsity sports and went, did all types of stuff. But my metabolism, I still had health issues. Like it was like, it was just not, my body wasn't dialed. But when I was forced in this like position where I had to get drug tested, do all this work but i still wanted to smoke weed then i wanted the weed to get out of my system i started realizing how do you do that you don't want a bunch you don't want fat because cannabis is stored in your fat tissue how do you do that well you increase your metabolic you know rate how do you do that well you become more active You, you use your body more you breathe you use awareness you you activate your dormant faculties so that like I could like, for example, what I realized was like, I could be sitting here and burning zero calories. In fact, probably putting them on, or I could be sitting here. And this is with the goal of increasing my metabolism, burning off any excess of cannabis so that I could continue to smoke or I could pass a drug test is I would put more weight down on my foot. Like I could be sitting here, but I could be sitting here with more intention. I could flex my knees a little bit i can sit with my back straight i can flex my my pecs i can flex my triceps my biceps like and all while just sitting here so like literally like what i learned to do was i learned to stand but with my knees a little bent. i learned to like be on my toes i learned to literally have my whole body activated at all times uh, it increased my the amount of calories i burn it increased my metabolism, my, all that fat melted off. I became healthier. The weed left my system quicker. I became more into, and this is where, like it, where a lot of my health journey, like begin, where is where I just realized like, you actually change yourself. You can change the way your body is by with this little bit of thought and willpower. And um, anyways, I'm just kind of going on different subjects, but these are things that like fascinate me. Right. And like, Have made me who I am today. Like, uh, so yeah, that's uh, so anyways, yeah, college started selling weed, went to Berkeley, Mm -hmm. got caught. And then so I graduated in 2011. And when I got caught for weed and I was like in 2009 or something, that's when um, I approached my business partner, former business partner, um, Key Play. And um, I was like, you know, I can turn your hobby and what you do into a real business like and he and I remember like he just looked at me like dumbfounded like why would anyone say that like who could who has the audacity mm-hmm. to say that they could take my hobby and make it an internationally recognized brand the biggest company that anyone's ever seen type shit and but mm-hmm. that's what I was saying from day one right like I'm like mm-hmm. look we need we need to get our shit dial we need um our legal we need our accounting we need everything our taxes paid. I want to be legit. And why? Because we are going to be the biggest company in cannabis. And how? I know how to do it. I know what makes companies successful. I know what I want from, you know, business. And that's what I intend to to bring to people. And so around 09, like I started, I met Jeff in 2010, 2008, started moving, like, the cannabis throughout, you know, the Bay Area and, and bring it down to SoCal and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, but I never really like assisted him until like I until after I got arrested in 09. I was like, look, like I'm not my dreams of be working in the corporate world are over. So now's the time for me to focus my energy on my dreams, which was like building a cannabis business. I can do it. Let's take the the tools that you have and the the tools that i have and nice let's build something together and that's when gauge Group was was
1: nice well i mean hey that's how you always wanted to come about but like hey you have you have this strength i have this strength why not create something from here so that's pretty awesome in addition okay so as i was looking through just like some of your portfolio in addition to that is there an another company that you have as well
2: or is it well brand? i'm like you can call me like i'm like yeah. I, I've developed a lot of brands. Okay. Okay. Especially since July 31st of last year, I have really had to diversify more because of the out I had with my business partner. Mm-hmm. We, we were, we were partners and because of like, there's a question mark as to like where this entity is and how we're going to process it. I've diversified, into other brands so all my seed drops have been under the name genetic designer Mm -hmm. but even before this whole vet, I've been building brands like Bank of Gage was our seed bank one of our first seed banks in the UK I created the seed bank for humanity which is now the seed bank international Um, I started the organic cup which is you know at um, organic celebration where we bring in regenerative, natural healing, natural farming, influencer speakers, companies, brands to showcase the the true regenerative healing potential of cannabis. Like I can't smoke anything but organics. I mean, I, I'll sample it, but I only want organic fire. So, yeah. and it you know it's been like that for a while. So that's one of my passions. And so through that we've done the organic cup. The third eye gathering is an all inclusive. You know, VI kind of like a VIP bar, heady classics ex- experience. Um, the Toro Glass is kind of help us sponsor and put on and done custom glass work for us. Have a, a nursery called Legit Genetics. So it's so I am like really into entrepreneurship. I have like um, uh, I guess I'm business minded in the sense that I love brands, I love creative ideas, and. I'm, my real mission is to bring as much of like a creative artistic element or inspiration and to bring that side of the world like the right hemisphere of the mind the creativity into this like the world of cannabis which while it is filled with like a lot of spirituality and creativity is often rooted in science and 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 logic and a lot of legal and like, none of that interests me all that much. It's all been done before. To me, I want to do things that have never been done before. I want to create things that no one has ever seen before. I want to ha- um, experience things that are new and exciting. And So that's kind of, you know, what I try to bring with all my brands. is like a, a unique perspective that's not truly only based on science, but is based on art as well.
1: So... Can you actually give us uh, a little bit more of an idea of how your growing process goes? I know Rick said that you kind of are a little bit deeper in with the organic process compared to other growers. So it's really interested to hear how you go
2: about it. Sure, I mean like I'm not at all a master or like better than anyone, but like I definitely have like a long history in it. You know, I've I've created and helped like introduce multiple brands in the organic gardening space, created products, helped promote them. Create like like I was instrumental, one of the founders of the Probiotic Farmers Alliance, which is a pretty um, pretty active Facebook group. Mm. Um, I've you know helped start Rokashi, have my own line of herbal supplements and mushroom supplements that honestly is has no, there's no other product like it there's a lot of similar products, but there's no adaptogenic tonic herbalism product for plants where you're putting directly putting reishi, chaga, lion's mane, turkey tail, cordyceps into your plants. Um, there's a noticeable difference. I think anyone that's smoked my flower will can instantly tell that mm. there's a difference.
1: That's really um, cool.
2: Yeah. So we've been doing it organically for a long time. i am beyond sold that organic is is the only way right like i've seen i know the best non-organic growers and they're awesome people and they do amazing work but something about organics is that like even if you have the best non-organic weed like honestly some like the shittiest organic weed even though it oftentimes looks bad will almost always smoke better and feel better And
0: that'll.
2: I tell a lot of
0: people people that with these salts and these these other synthesized feedings, what you essentially doing with the genetics is creating a bodybuilder. So you have something that is stocky and rocky and big, but in essence, it can't pick up anything. It it has no weight, no real weight to its medicinal value. It loses a lot of that. Um, because the calcium and the phosphorus that it ate were synthesized. They were, they were created in a laboratory. They weren't derivative of nature. And that's where the difference I really think really matters. Like, oh, I put phosphorus and I put calcium and I put uh, zinc and magnesium on my plants. But where was it derivative from is the right. question.
2: Right. And it's like oftentimes not because it's not coming from a natural source it's an isolate so it's like it's like magnesium but not bound to organic compounds not a part of a microbiome not a part it's like and and, and so the scientists will say it's the same it's the same ionic element that the plants uptake like you got to be a fucking idiot to believe that <laughs> yeah you you really really got to be a fucking and, and like i'm not saying that salts and synthetics aren't well marketed and they and they do have billions of dollars and and decades of dominance behind them but like like come on we gotta think you know and and in no way am i saying like i'm not anti-synthetic at all but i don't smoke it you know what i mean and it's it's against my system and overcome a lot of health issues I've, i've overcome like things that doctors mo- will often say are reversible. You know, I've done things, transformed every aspect of myself, so why would I ever go back to something inferior? Now, mm-hmm. 99% of the bud out there is grown with salts and it's like the market has never even really seen properly grown product yet. So I'm really excited to be able to introduce that to yeah. the mainstream per se or the market. Um. But yeah, like I use, I do things, I take the best of all worlds. So like, I'm not, people will say like, do you do KNF? Like Korean natural farming comes from the Koreans. I'm not going to claim that. I use natural farming methods that I've developed within and around my own culture, around my people that doesn't need a label, but draws from the best practices of all worlds. And in fact, like I've learned a lot for myself growing friends, you know what I mean. They do really know how to build a body. How do we do that organically? And I love your example of the bodybuilder. Yeah, the bodybuilder can't even touch his elbows together or whatever. You know what I mean? Like he could barely like touch his shoulders, or like you look at the state of guys like The Rock or Arnold. Some of these guys can barely even walk. Like I don't. Oh, yeah, they can't walk long distances. Like the body is a is a, must be in harmony, holistic connectivity um, full utilization matters. Isolation, isometrics, isolated postures and, you know, muscle movements and, and chemicals and all that stuff. While while it does have its place and can be utilized in isolated situations is not the whole picture. So if your whole picture is based off of isolation, then you're missing the other half of the world, which is non isolated, you know, like, so it's like thinking that if that a distillate product is the end-all be-all of cannabis would be a fallacy, right? But that's what our kind of chemical-minded scientific pharma kind of mentality brings us towards. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have that, but I think like my duty or, or what I believe in is like holistic is, is everything working together for good not just individuals taking over and it's like everybody, every aspect has something to add to the conversation, to the, the whole, the wholeness. And so, yeah, we've been growing organically since we first began. Our genetics have been um, bred organically. We've worked with products like microblives, purple photosynthetic bacteria for a really long time. They've been huge supporters of us. Um, I'm working with a lot of organic companies, that I've um, developed re- relationships with that are like supporting my gardens and, and helping me develop new products. The, of course, it's not all about products. A lot of this, you can make yourself do it yourself um, and have a regenerative permaculture situation in your home without really bringing a lot of outside inputs in. Um, I just like working with like master alchemists, you know, and people who've really dialed in the craft sure i can not do everything on my own i've taught it i've done it but to at a certain point i need a team and i need to rely on the best people to to produce the the elements the inputs in the soil and the the environment for me to to do my art Mm -hmm. so so anyways that's like organics for me i've through not smoking synthetically grown cannabis and moving to organics I felt transformative healing benefits through moving to an all organic diet. I felt transformative benefits to where it would be very hard for anyone to convince me that that's not the way to go. Like if your asthma goes away, if your lifelong allergies go away, if your lifelong back pain goes away, if you're, you know, like these are things that you can't tell me aren't real. And I experienced, you know, and so like I, created the whole protocols for human potency and then we have are coming out with one for the garden potency and it's the idea is like we go and find the best practices from all over the world and we we make it ours
1: so the thing is I feel like there are so many people you know just going about their lives thinking that the way they feel is just the way that they feel without looking but, at, you know, alternate ways to actually improve their health because yeah, same. I'm like, use food to feel your body. And I, obviously like, we don't always stick to like 100% of the time, always definitely. eating like, you know, on point but Perfect, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. It makes all the difference in the world. I think when I actually stick to a really healthy diet and I'm just like, my body feels better. My joints feel better. My mind feels clearer. Organic is the way to go. The only problem though, is it's really
2: expensive. (laughs) It really is. And Uh, and then there's ways you, you have to give up a lot, like packaged foods, buying things there down the aisles and stuff get, I mean, they're double or triple when they're organic. Right. And so you kind of do have to do a lot of things more on your, like when I first started going organic, there were so much less products, so many Mm -hmm. less options. So it only keeps getting better, but yeah, it like makes you more self-reliant. Yeah. And, um, Yeah, so is we, the had, way
0: to go. we had uh Mendo on here earlier and uh or just like, briefly I, I thought I'd I'd touch on that with your your correlation and workings with them. Where did that start for you with Mendo Dope
2: and your uh was I it the strange itself? Or no, I mean like honestly, it was it was the Mendo and the Mitten event that really like connected oh. me with them that being at Big Cloud, meeting them, honestly, like, I, I would say meeting them for the first time there, like, I've known about Mando Dope my whole, you know, weed career. Like, I think they've been in the industry pretty much since, like, oh9 era, yeah. I think maybe before. But, like, I've known about them for the whole, the whole time I've been in weed and been just an admirer, like, knowing about their work with Subcool and, like, kind of just seeing... The, their grow tutorials, I guess, and like showing off their plants and stuff. Like I've always been like, an admirer from afar, listening to their music, mm-hmm. but like, it wasn't really until the Mando and the Mitten show, seeing them perform live that like, honestly, like I'm, I'm a beyond fan now. And like, yeah. um, <laughs> and that really helped me like, kind of like get to know them more. And after that, I was like, we got to carry your seeds at the seed bank international. And this is the thing is like, like I, like I met them in at the um, ego class this last month and they were like, he was like, dude, like a lot of people would think that Mendo dope boys bred the Mendo breath because it's mm-hmm. so it's Mendo. Right. And they do, yeah. they have to m- work with the Mendo breath, which is really cool for them to honor a strain that I created that like I, I lived in Mendo, but I'm not like a native for Mendo, you know? So to see like it, propped up and, and, and loved and, and kept around is truly an honor. And it obviously it's really made its impact. Um, but yeah, Mendo dope. They're greeting with it. I've been able to, um, you know, help sell some of the seeds on Steve bank international, just to like be able to work with people that I've always admired and then like for them yeah. to give back and, and working with some of my gear. I mean, it's just like, honestly, couldn't really ask for more. Right. And so thank you for putting me in touch with them. And, <clears throat> and then, of course, that bring them back out to the organic cup, Like, just, just a dream come true.
0: Yeah. No, it really it snowballed into uh, – I don't know how or why, but, you know, for some reason I seem to be a catalyst for things. But between Dallas and, and, and everybody at Big Cloud and all the things that we do and then um, holding these events and then being able to connect with people like Mendo – um, yourself, um, I mean, we almost technically lost you at the beginning of it all because of a miscommunication. We were, we were kind of miscommunicating a little bit and there was, there was things where we, you know, may not even had you speak that time, you know, or you were going to pull away from it. So, uh, yeah, there, know, was a few, there were a few
2: complications there. <laughs> yeah. But
0: we got through them and, and, you know, we, uh, we logically come to the conclusion that we're all on the same page and uh Mm -hmm. and we're moving forward i think we're collectively moving forward in michigan
2: very strongly so i I appreciate you not only am i honored to be a part of it and have been a part of it and to have been invited um and thanks and i'm glad we worked through our our issues but was that like you guys like i told dallas yesterday i'm like you guys i really want to give you guys props for like making turning the whole industry around literally if there was an award for 2022, it'd be Big Cloud Farms. It would be the fucking Big Cloud team, the whole family, everybody that's made it reality. Everyone who attended. I mean, like, I remember the industry and caregivers feeling like it was all over. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. the vibe at the beginning of 2022 or at the end of 2021, at least from a general like michigan five was like man this is this is sucks like everyone was leave like thinking about leaving type shit but then like right. when, when big clouds started doing like started with the cashmere clouds the production quality tapping into like the caregiver world bringing guys like mike faye out it's just like i was like this is different right like there's just no corporate asshole vibes here in fact like this is the culture these people know what's good they they want to help you know the up and coming artists and the caregiver and i instantly felt like connected to what you guys were doing and it was a huge shift in the energy uh, in michigan with the events every other month or every month or so it was like i i'm really grateful for you guys and i think that you guys what big cloud did was what the industry needed at a very crucial time and it's given a lot of people hope that there actually is still love in this industry, that there is still yeah. culture.
0: And there is. So. And, and that's the thing is we're trying to put our foot down. And we feel like we put our foot down hard enough last year to say that we are here and we will not move no matter what you do, but get ready for us now in licensing, because now we're coming with that culture from the license aspect and we're going to bring that same vibration. Um, And it's going to be good and it's going to be wholesome and it's going to be all encompassing. And it's it's going to have that big cloud feel like everybody created, you know, between Laura and her amazing abilities to work with everybody. And then our crew that just daunting day in, day out work for for the betterment of the festival. Like a lot of people we we paid people, of course, where we could afford it. But there was a lot of people that just did shit because they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to be, you know, engaged in helping it. Mr. Big Cloud, Robert Root, for instance, I love that guy to pieces. The first time he came out with his little uh, Big Cloud suit on, he wasn't too sure about it. And he was kind of, boy, should I, you know, should I keep doing this? Is it too cheesy? And I'm like, no way, dude, keep doing that. Big, Mr. Big Cloud is the shit.
1: (laughs) For those people who, like, don't know exactly what the Organic Cup is, can you guys give a little description about, like, what is going on all throughout that festival?
2: Yeah. So, the Organic Cup almost, like, disappeared. Um, We started it in 2019. uh, Very successful. Had amazing people show up, like Steve Cantlow from Green Life Production, uh, Dragonfly Earth Medicine, Josh and Kelly. We had Believe come out. I mean, just, like, some of the – these are all my friends, and they all really came out to support. It just An amazing experience, right? Everyone's celebrating organics. Mm -hmm. Like I've been to every show. I've been a part of the planning for almost every show. I've been spoken, judged, so many events. None of them tailored to organics, right? Um, Or none of them have had in the past. There's more now. Um, When we started the Organic Cup, I'm pretty sure it was one of the first like major competitions within organics that was only centered around organics. So, being that like I go to every event and I'm part of every event, I'm like, well, why can't we have an event for our people? Organic's is so overlooked, but it's not like we don't exist. There's entire shelves, there's entire sections at the grocery store dedicated to this. You know what I mean? Like it's not like this people, but people generally think that all weed is just organic. They don't really understand that there's like most of their weed is grown with toxic chemicals. So I created the Organic Cup in 2019 to create an event. Kind of modeled after Cannabis Cup, Emerald Cup, and a lot of the incestions that I've enjoyed in the past, but solely focused on organics, giving organic companies a way to shine a spotlight on what they do. And it's it's been great. You know, everyone that comes to our show is someone I would want to hang out with in real life. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's my type of people. It's the people that are trying to be their best. It's the people that are constantly looking for ways to improve it's the only way you would ever come across organics. You're not gonna just like happen to fall into a world where everything is two times the, the price and harder and maybe and maybe like what you're not used to and doesn't have the addictive chemicals in it. and And to to stick and to stay there means it means you're sold in something that's not typical, right? It's not because of the price. It's not because of the amount of money you're gonna make or whatever. It's because of love. It's passion. We'll put in more work to get less because we want the best and that's mm-hmm. something that i think we're moving away from the walmart model i'm I, I mean like i don't know what how much walmart made this year but i really don't care like i i believe in my heart right like i fucking bought apple shares when it was 250 like i got into crypto when it was 400 like and i only say that because like i just i'm a trend forecaster right like i know when things are going to hit mm. i get in early that's good um, to
1: know. That's going to benefit you in the long run.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just more like intuition, right? Like if yeah. you like something, it's probably for a reason. And mm-hmm. if everyone else likes it too, there's probably some there. It's probably a worthy investment. Yeah. You know, people oftentimes don't start investing into something until everyone else has made money from it. Well, that's not, that's not when you get in. You yeah. know, like that's when you probably time to get out. So like when people were buying crypto because like, everyone's grandmother was getting into some scheme like that was the time to get out not get in mm-hmm. the time to get in was when nobody knew about it nobody cared about it but you felt like there was something special there that's when you get it yeah. you know and then like of course if you miss that mark then just look for the next thing you know and that's how i've kind of like least lived my life yeah <laughs> i'm no expert it's not financial advice <laughs>
1: <laughs> so okay so you grew up in california And then obviously, you're in Michigan now. What made you get out to Michigan? Because if I was living in California, that is a place I would not want to leave. So I'm just curious.
2: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people ask that. Like here, they're like genuinely kind of like upset at why somebody would be moving into their state when they're trying to get out. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I, yeah, no, I mean, I understand that. And I feel like people, I'm like, come on, we're all moving around. Like, right.
0: Yeah. A lot of small town people here in Michigan that never left their place. And they kind of wonder that. And I've, I've wondered that too, my small town in Berrien, you know, people come from all over the world, but it has a world renowned seventh day Adventist uh, college at it. So.
1: I mean, I I just think it's, I think it's cool to move around and explore different areas of either the States or the world in general, because that's just going to open your mind to other people and other things out there as opposed to just staying in your hometown your whole life which by the way if you've been in your hometown your whole life I don't remember Rick I don't mean anything against that (laughs) Uh, no I've been all over I was gonna say yeah I was like you have a very open mind and yeah Yeah.
0: I wound up back here after lots of travels and uh
1: get that yeah for sure Mm -hmm.
2: like Michigan is so beautiful that it kind of sometimes I wonder why people want to leave so badly but I get that there's so much more right and it's cool. I think it's it's worthy for everyone to move away and, and, and go somewhere where you don't know anybody. You know, mm-hmm. there's something fun about that. And it's like, yeah. you get to rebuild your life in a way. And of course, you're not held down by some of like the old beliefs and, and things that are tying you down.
0: If, if anything with that, it allowed, it allowed me and my travels to see perspectives of different things. So living in the South, I got to see various things from Alabama to uh Louisiana, Texas, Houston, San Antonio, North Carolina and then all the way out to California, Colorado, um all those different aspects of how people think mm. and live but yet with we're all doing the same thing, right? You know, but it's different. It's really different and it's based on culture and history and I think being rounded is
2: good. People should get out.
1: Yeah, for <laughs> I sure.
2: Agree it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to see the differences in people and to be able to understand where it comes from and to appreciate it mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. to judge, you know and otherwise
0: to, we turn into bigots and we yeah. turn into uh people that don't
2: understand and then we become you know aggressive yeah. towards other things You're right and or you and then the people start picking sides as yeah. if one side is better than the other you know like in re- I, what i find is like you know what's super beautiful is like you know how this country's like red and blue, right? Mm. But it's like literally determined <laughs> by like a lot of it's like are you in a city or are you outside of <laughs> exactly, yeah. And you, there's pros and cons to both, but it's like yin and yang, right? Like yep. living in the outside a city where you have to be super self reliant and and like do everything yourself versus in a city where you can cooperate and work with people and there's other people to help you achieve and so you don't have to like do everything and you can split a lot of those tasks like cre- this creates different people and different perspectives and and different ways of thinking which are both amazing and then mm-hmm. there's like so much to learn from people that have grown up and and worked in different types of situations yep. you know yeah i, I mean i'm kind of like a nomad so i don't I'm like all
1: over, you know? Yeah. No, I've, uh, I've, I'm trying to think. I've lived mostly in the Midwest, but I have bounced around to multiple states within it and then got to spend a little time on France when I was like studying abroad. And I, I mean, I would love to go explore more areas as well because I agree. It is as much as it's terrifying to go to a new place all by yourself, it's, there's also something that's like liberating about it. And you're like, this is my new world. Like I can, yeah, I can well, have a fresh we- start here, you know?
0: Yeah, one thing I learned, too, that um, in my travels, like, you need at least six months to a year in a place. And when you integrate into that place, if you're not saying y'all or hey, Bo, or whatever the genre (laughs) is, then you're not really diving in deep enough to understand it. And you almost have to, you know, like, and then they get a kick, especially for a Michigan person, especially in Southwest Michigan, I don't care where I've been. They've always been able to pinpoint me. They said, oh, you're from Southwest Michigan. How do you know that? Because you enunciate your your verbiage so fluent, you know, the specific way we speak apparently. And I'm that's like, wow, funny. like that's insane. <laughs> like, okay. But- the
1: people that are always going to blow my mind in Southwest Michigan are the ones that have like a Southern style accent. I'm like, you're from Southwest Michigan. Come on. <laughs> but
0: you have a washer.
1: <laughs> I was like, now you should be also in Wisconsin. I don't know all these dialects, though it's really cool. I, I love, I love hearing the differences and the way people talk.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah, it's such, it's so beautiful, and I find myself picking up on it. Like, yeah, it's like you just you, you can't help but repeat what you hear. Yeah, yeah,
1: oh yeah. <laughs>
2: Especially, Especially when
0: you, <laughs> you know, like like that "Hey Bo" thing. I understood "Hey Bo" in North Carolina as a endearing. Mm -hmm. uh brother and kind of speech you know so hey bo you know he's usually talking about his family or his his good buddy you know it's like hey man hey bro but it's hey bo bo okay but it's weird (laughs) but it's their thing you know (laughs) but you could feel it you know
1: yeah do you have how how do you go about getting your products out there because i mean i was looking at some of your sites people can actually like buy the genetics the seeds
2: yeah we really try i've really, really try to keep my operation as like legit as possible Mm -hmm. because the idea of like, I do represent an internationally recognized brand. And um, while I'm not necessarily a fully licensed entity, that's essentially my goal is to do it correctly. Like I don't need heat. I don't want to misrepresent the plant in any way whatsoever. Like I want to show that I can do it correctly, work Mm -hmm. with with um the authorities as well as in the streets and not not like violate or or how they think like like i want to be a benefit to society right Mm of as fortunately like i have i did come from like a black market world um but like i've never i've always felt like at any moment i could just go to jail for doing what i do um, just from the moment I started smoking weed to till like now. Mm. Like I've never felt truly like safe doing what I love. And I, I kind of appreciate it because there's a little edge to it. And it really like makes me live every day. Like it could be my last. <clears throat> but I, it would be nice to be able to sell the best organic flower in the world to all people in a in a way that's legal and accepted and and proper it seems like not the craziest thing to ask for in 2022
1: you think especially not especially
2: since i've i know so many dispensary owners mm-hmm. and growers mm-hmm. that are licensed and do produce And I have seen contracts and that I've been offered money for my brand, but it's easier said than done. And so till this day, I've never really sold branded legal weed to yeah. I've just never done that. Um, except during that like kind of brief period where they were allowing caregiver cannabis in dispensaries, um th- that was you know we were oh, you entered
0: you entered into that
2: uh, yeah, um I had okay. like late like I um had some dispensaries you know, picked up some of my pounds and I would
0: I would have loved to have dollar. I would have loved to see the people that bought from that dispensary. That dispensary was probably, they were probably all on hype. Like, what the fuck is this? This is straight gas. And then they, when they pulled you, obviously, they're like, what happened to the good shit?
2: <laughs> Dude, I know. Isn't that, it just sucks that it couldn't continue. But, like, all the, the employees at the dispensaries, like, everyone who had an opportunity to engage with it, like, you know, obviously loved it and still remembers it yeah. until today. So, it's well, like, I to- I just. Oh, I had the same thing down here with
0: a uh, when we could enter, you know, everybody's like, oh, we want this, we want that. And I th- really think that with my meeting um, with the CRA director next, this February, um, next month, I, I really am going to impress that we've, we either restructure something good and proper for the caregiver sector or allow them back in, to, in the regard that they were before just give you know make sure there's testing or whatever past testing and then let them in um because that's that's really that gives there's you so a much like
2: right there's so much like government control and interve- and and like barrier to entry and these are all like economic um i don't want to say deficiencies but it's it's where it's it's um it, it affects the, the supply and demand curve in, in a way that's not conducive to like maximizing potential and human utility, right. And like, and happiness. So like it's, but in the, in, in the same regard, everything works itself out. So this is like how, if, if let's just say the government didn't necessarily, well, first of all, it's too, it's too expensive to become a patient. I don't think that like the medical card shouldn't be as expensive. But like what I, then it would be a lot cooler for caregivers in the medical side. But I also think that um, everything's like working itself out in the sense that is, you know, being a part of some of the major cups that there is like the most innovation, the most creativity and the best product is in the caregiver world. Mm. And it's always, there's new shit coming out all the time the dispensary world is always trying to the corporate world is always stealing that intellectual property mimicking it so that they can do it on a massive scale but at the end of the day there's so much the the corporations are the really the only ones that with their investors that can afford to build out the factories and the warehouses that can produce the flour and i'm not saying a caregiver can't but if they could, they would have already done.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So like, uh, the reason why I don't own warehouses and factories is just because I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying one day I won't have real estate investment and stuff, but I'm not a I'm not into construction. I'm not into real estate, and I don't really have that much capital to be putting up million dollar facilities.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And neither do I, nor do I want to. Let like these days you could probably, you have more potential at starting a successful t-shirt company than building a, than building a fucking t-shirt factory. Yeah. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, like, maybe someone, someone with maybe a better understanding of big business might argue otherwise, but it's like, it was never the caregiver's job to build a factory
0: mm-hmm. for the
2: industry today most of us manufacturing is done in china where they fucking built a bunch of factories that that just churn out american product where mm-hmm. the creativity the innovation the sop the processes maybe come from some dude's basement here in america and they get it scaled up and built by some dude with a factory and a bunch of cheap labor mm-hmm. i'm not saying this this method or what but but if you think about it like that and i'm like a creative why would i want my own factory yeah so everyone's mad that they're like i don't have a factory they won't let me build a factory without having x amount of money in my bank well it's like dude you could have built a factory already and if you you wouldn't be able to afford the factory if you didn't have that much money essentially i think that the everything probably will work itself out a a lot of people who got in were way over their head and over leveraged so they basically are out of business and their properties and fully built dispensaries and greenhouses and grows are, are for sale at cost right now on 420property.com right like so nope so it was a, it was a bad investment to begin with and then and two um the, the you know real estate running a factory warehouse all that overhead and upkeep it's not easy it's not for everyone it's not necessarily for the creative or the grower and so it's almost like saying like, like sometimes I compare myself to an artist or, or a ball player, like say a basketball player in the NBA, like to expect that player to run his own team, to do his own marketing advertisement and to operate the league um, and everything that comes with it and then to run the stadium and to fill those seats. And I mean, like, I'm not saying that the, that the Michael Jordan wasn't bringing the crowd, but he wasn't responsible for for cleaning the bathrooms, replacing the dirty seats. You know, I mean, like there's a lot to an industry. Everyone has an opportunity and, and, and uh, to, to like become something right. And to fill, find a role. But essentially, like, I think that the idea that everyone needs to have their own grow, build out their own grow and have a license grow is like the old way of thinking. And it's proven itself not to work there's been tons of brands who have been able to enter the market without a license, without a building and having basically put down zero investment. So Mm. while we're still early in the the industry, like I, I really think that there's going to be a day where there's going to be like everything is going to come together. So people that need places to grow are going to be able to rent places to grow. Mm. Like for, as for not that much. Um, why? Because a lot of people built these big grows and they can't sell the weed. In they can't. They can. They grow too much and they don't have creativity, the genetics of a brand to put it under. So it's just bulk weed that nobody wants to where the price of bulk weed is very low. But nothing I do is bulk. Everything I do is craft, And it's proper, proper. It's better. And it's and so I just need to find a facility that has space for me to grow. And I think that that's like eventually going to be in, you know, these incubator type models and have, have existed for a while, but it's, there's going to be more of them. And to the point where I don't think a caregiver necessarily will even want to enter the market as under a caregiver license per se, where they have to be in a commercial facility warehouse or on ag land. Ag- land. They might as well just fuck rent that land from a licensed individual and produce that flower there where they have thousands of acres. I mean, like, I don't maybe that this situation doesn't necessarily exist or isn't available for everyone yet. Most of my friends who are legacy, incredible breeders or growers, many of them are still not in a licensed situation but I don't see that ha- staying like that forever.
1: So obviously you have seriously some incredible knowledge about all things cannabis. Um, and, you know, looking through companies and brands, there's obviously a lot that people can learn from you. Do you have a, a place you can direct people to go check out your sites and your socials just to see what you're up to? And I saw that you do speaking events too, if you got any of those coming up at all.
2: Yeah. So like I'm going to be doing a speaking event at the melting of the heads in New York city. That's going to be a, at- the Citadel, which is where we had the Organic Cup, it's a beautiful venue in Queens, mm-hmm. and um, this is a three-day event. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, some some amazing people are going to be there. They have a really stacked lineup of just awesome people with cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have too many scheduled talks coming up besides that, but I'm always, you know, doing things with Big Cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, we plan on doing organic cups throughout the nation, just looking for, you know, the the best situation, but there's ten- potential of us bringing it out to California and Oregon and Colorado, Oklahoma, et cetera. Yeah. We, I have a website called uh, it's my name is Feng Jie Shen. It's Fang where you can see my bio. You can see, um get like linked to, links to my link tree and the gauge green group and all the other businesses i i honestly haven't been posting as much on my personal instagram and i haven't been doing as much like outreach or teaching or writing as i i used to in the past i've been more focusing on like the garden and the plants and, and just the art and the craft of it rather than like trying to explain myself i want to live it as much as I can.
1: Yeah. it's. I mean, it seems um, like you got a lot going for you just on a normal basis to actually have to do anything extra than that. You got, you got a lot to focus on.
2: Yeah. But, but for mm-hmm. real, I do have a lot I want to share, with you, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's a lot about like, that I've learned that I do want to express. I feel like could open up people's minds to new possibilities and new potentials and that's what I want to put out there.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah,
2: I've been so immersed in the events and the grow and the genetics that it's sometimes, it, sometimes it's hard to like take a, take a breather. and yeah. yeah.
1: Well, we really appreciate you talking with us today. It was great meeting you. I'm just looking forward to, uh, this coming year. We
0: got a lot, a lot of things going to be happening with, with the big cloud universe and moving into, uh, that licensed space. And then, uh, Organic Cup, be interesting this year how we make that unfold as far as Michigan's version of it. And I really, I'm intrigued by the California one because I know I can get Tommy over there to check that out. And I think he would have a great appreciation for that, too, because he goes to the Champs uh, Expos and he goes all the big ones. But to feel that organic vibe, I know he would appreciate it. so.
2: Yeah, I just I was watching the Tommy Chong episode that you guys did, and it was it was awesome. It was um, <laughs> adorable <laughs> to see the interaction, and he's such a he's such a genuine human, and um, so grateful for all the people that have like we we stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, and yeah, just grateful for the path ta- ta- that these legends have really paved for everyone, and they've all the sacrifices that they've made. For us to be here um, but yeah it would be so great to have tommy out at the organic Cup. stephanie your would be an honor to have you at any if not all of our events yeah I'd i'm so excited for yeah i'm so excited for big cloud and what's coming and thank you guys for having me on the show
1: yeah thanks for making the time we really appreciate it doing these interviews have been so much fun. Obviously, like Rick has all the knowledge he has, but then everybody else we get the chance to talk to which I'm like, you guys are just teaching me so much too. And I, I absolutely love that. And so if I feel that way, I know that, you know, some of the people who've reached out to us who tell us that they listen, they say the same things They're they're learning a lot as we go. So we appreciate you.
2: Yeah, I hope to see you guys grow exponentially and continue to just do awesome outreach. Thanks for doing what you do. Thanks for having me and, yeah. and spending the time with me. Yeah, I hope you guys have a beautiful day.
1: You too, Michael. Take care. Thanks. Peace, take care. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you want to keep up with us and check to see when we will release new episodes, feel free to follow us on our socials at To Be Completely Blunt Podcast. You can find me, Steph, on my socials at Steph on FM and Rick at Mr. Underscore F-U-N-G-I 420. And please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. Highway Horticulture, paving the way for everything cannabis. Find out more at highwayhorticulture.com.